think something new under Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Imprint Companion, the podcast that works alongside, in partnership with Australia's brand new Blu-ray boutique label, Imprint Films. I am Blake Howard. I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic and wily and just cinephilic co-hosts of the highest order, my blue brother, or blues brother, Alexi Toliopoulos, mate, thank you so much for coming back for another episode. My pleasure. Great to be here. Excited to talk about a couple of flicks in this current November batch of imprint Blu-rays. There are some winners in here and there are some grinners in here. You're going to smile either <laughs> way with this batch. I think that there's no wrong direction here. No, we are going to uh, take a, a sharp left back down that video store aisle and we're going to transport ourselves back to the hallowed turf of 1999. Wow. Perhaps the greatest movie year of mm-hmm. all time. And we're going to get six degrees of Kevin Bacon together as we discuss, uh, as we discuss David Kep's written and directed Stir of Echoes up first today. We're also going to dive into the... Cult classic, The Possession of Joel Delaney, in the next segment. But let's kick this off. What's the worst that can happen? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Why do I know that song? Are you okay? What the hell did she do to me? work he sleeps like 12 hours a night why are you digging the man's switch got flipped he's a receiver now she's taking him away she was here what's the problem i see people turn their heads and quickly look away like a newborn baby it just happens every day don't be afraid of it daddy i look inside myself and see my heart he can't slow it down. He can't even figure it out. No! Whatever door you open in my mind, I want you to shut up. If you have not seen this before, Stir of Echoes, David Kep is the writer of some of the biggest movies ever. One of them in particular is Jurassic Park. Had a lot of juice at this time of his career. And he found, uh, he wanted some, to adapt something. He even talks about it in one of a terrific uh, special feature on this disc, in fact, of how great it is to be a screenwriter when you're working with a great director because of the collaboration of voices. And in his first film, he didn't have that opportunity. So he was like, I want to I want to base it off of something. I want to adapt something. He found what he called a working class horror, which was called Stir of Echoes, based in LA in the 1940s and broadly covers the same turf of the movie. But the movie, if you haven't seen it or if you, you're just vaguely remembering it, it's I very much something. It. it didn't arrive Ma- in my batch yet. <laughs> <laughs> Lex hasn't seen it yet, but I'm sure he will when we, when we get to it. But it basically is this. Um, in a local working class community in Chicago, uh, Kevin Bacon uh, plays a character by the name of Tom Whiskey. His son is someone who starts to, uh, you know, looks like one of those kids, maybe uh, like 
uh, starts talking to himself, has imaginary friends, those sorts of things. But then what happens? As you have want to do in the 90s, you go out to parties and you take your uh, baby monitor uh, with you across the street to your neighbor's house. You get drunk and you start talking uh, to your wife. His wife is played by uh, Catherine Irby. You you talk to your wife's mate, played by Ileana Douglas, who's been dabbling. She's been dabbling, Lex, in mm-hmm. hypnosis. Wow. And Kevin Bacon is a non-believer. However, once Ileana says, well, why don't you let me show you how powerful this art can be? She hypnotizes him in a gloriously constructed vision by Mr. David Kep. He's hypnotized and he begins to become a tuning fork for a lot of these visions and things happening. And he suddenly realizes that the house that he's living in is being haunted by the ghost of a missing girl. And he is basically charged by her from beyond the grave to solve the mystery of her disappearance and potentially her death. And so what it is, is, I mean, David Kep, who's a great and wonderful screenwriter, he's kind of mixing in elements of things like, I mean, we're, we're talking around the same time as like the sixth sense. It feels like there's yeah. osmosis in the air about communicating with the dead, especially the young actor who's in the film, um, Zachary David Cope, who plays Jake, who's their son. He, he's kind of already a tuning fork and Kevin Bacon's just been awakened. Um, it's got that kind of late 90s. Things are still very communal and community and small scale and working class cities still exist and people um, are there. It does have a little bit of a smattering of uh, some elements of The Shining because there are other people out there who maybe have these gifts who are starting to find ways uh, for them to, I don't know, find some comfort, find some solace uh, in that. Um, And really, finally, um, another imprint video store classic, Dead Again, Mm. where um, you are being kind of charged with a murder mystery from beyond the grave. It has a lot of those elements too. So for me, um, whether that's just, you know, genre conventions 101 or what, it just really felt like um, this movie um, had all of those feelings and that kind of, you know, secrets of a small working class community and and that looks like a facade of, uh, uh, of everything being okay, but something is deeply wrong underneath. And so... This is not my favorite kept movie um, by a stretch. He's a very talented filmmaker. If you don't, I mean, again, just as a screenwriter, his resume is absolutely unfathomable. Um, he's got things like, uh, you know, Jurassic Park, of course, Mission Impossible. Mm. Um, he, he's also uh, wrote Panic Room. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, Carlito's movie. Way. Car- one I mean, of my favorite of course, movies Car- of all time. What if... One of your favorites of all time. So he's as yeah, War of the Worlds, the Spielberg one from two thousand and five. He's a talented screenwriter, so his his resume is pretty stacked. Yeah, he directed Ghost Town. Don't forget that Ghost Town. Yet we'll never forget. We will never forget Ricky Gervais. Ghost Town, <laughs> and, Mordecai, Premium Rush. There's some yeah, real ones lo- in there. There's some big real ones, and it, it's not quite as real as uh, as Mordecai, but it's definitely got some realness. So I would say Story of Echoes. Is definitely a video shop classic. It's definitely one that you're going to go back to because you're like, oh my God, I've got a fondness for these kind of little twisty thrillers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know. It doesn't make up the sum of its parts for me. Like, so like mm. it's, it's one on the, ba- you know, we ended the last episode with let's schedule us to get a death, which you emphatically called like one of the picks of the batch and therefore one of the best imprint releases of the year. And I'm like, this is not one, but this is, easily the most recognizable high rotation you know peak tv peak video store movies that just is like very entertaining thrilling fluff 
that you'll move beyond. That's not one of those ones that will shake you to your core. But I will say this. The genre of working class horror is my favorite mm. because a movie that we're going to talk about next starkly contrasts that. And I think that if we're talking about, you know, some of the greatest horror movies ever made, The Shining, The Exorcist, at its core are people trying to get by, are people trying to live their lives and are people who maybe don't necessarily have the means to, you know, uh, to, to pull themselves out of situations that they've found themselves in and then they find themselves into in the in you know this storm of like supernatural elements that they have no control over. And so I really like those elements of this, which is that it's a small working class town and it has working class people and they're concerned about losing their jobs when they go nuts and they're concerned about what their neighbors are going to say about them. It has some of those elements I think that he tried to keep intact. And I must say the visions are outstanding. So he has these hypnotic visions that are in the movie and they're just so amazing. And so they have to be done with practical effects, largely or very limited digital effects. And they're really spectacular. Um, but, but it's all too, all too few and far between, I think for me to give this a big massive mm. thumbs up, but you won't feel like you're wasting your time. Yeah, it's one that I'm probably most excited to watch from this batch. And I was be heartbroken when it wasn't there. So I cannot wait to watch it as soon as I get my hands on it. Well, now this is something that we need to talk about. A cult classic, one that has been lauded and loathed in equal measure. Yeah. One that has been has disappeared off the face of the earth really since a VHS release from what I understand in 1991. We're talking about the film based on a 1970 book of the same name called The Possession of Joel Delaney. I, Joel Delaney, will conjure up your light. Who is in possession of Joel Delaney? supernatural city around us here <laughs> spiritist churches espiritismo seances summoning the dead bookeria witchcraft this is an odd weird little movie comes out just before the exorcist and there is direct comparisons to that uh, because yes. it is also a possession movie. Uh, basically, in this film, Shirley MacLaine plays someone who is quite well off in like a New York scene. Um, she mm. has a brother called Joel Delaney, and he begins to start acting erratically and acting strangely. She begins to suspect that he has had like a mental breakdown of some kind and suspects that there are some deaths murders that are tied to him in some way she begins to investigate and comes to a conclusion that there he could perhaps be possessed by the soul of a recently departed serial killer uh from an ethnically latin community in uh in new york city and she's trying to rid him of that possession. It is... I can see exactly why this movie has its strange reputation of being simultaneously lauded, because I think this is an effective, scary, strange movie. And 
it is really quite well made and it kind of gets under your skin at so many different points particularly in the film's ending climax i found the ending of this film to be really deeply disturbing um in yes. kind of like a hostage taking scenario and i can see why it has been maligned because it is this strange weird movie like where we have these uh like kind of like a horror that plays on like cultural tropes where it's a it's kind of like a, a horror movie basically set in a cultural divide between uh white upper class people and uh ethnically latin people um in their uh in the divide between them in the socioeconomical divide and the cultural divide between them yeah it's it's a movie that i watched and i found like i immediately started feeling like oh this is like a satanic panic mm. kind of film where it poses you know white gentile americans who especially upper class against you know whether it's these sort of pagans etc but in this instance it's the puerto rican community mm. and and this fear sort of openly rather than a, rather than a satanic panic um instead talking about uh you know uh considering these uh uh, these people in this film like all these like voodoo practitioners and they're uh, practicing all sorts of wild and weird mm. things and so you can totally see that controversy but you're right it's ex it's extremely made to a point but you know the the, the great roger eber talks about uh, in his uh famous review of this film about the nausea he called it nauseatingly bad taste scenes in mm. the finale of the film saying that they were both rotten and bankrupt and yeah. uncleanness when you're watching them and I had never seen his review for the, the possession of Joel Delaney until researching it in preparation for this, uh, but I felt the same. I was watching it and I was like, I, I was liking the scares at the beginning, and I wasn't sure. You know, at the beginning of the film, it almost felt. Uh, I I didn't realize that Joel Delaney was the main. Uh, uh, our main woman uh, character here, Nora, uh, who's played by Shirley MacLaine. I didn't realize that she was, they were brother and sister. I thought that this was a love interest. And I think the film really speaks to this weird incestuous connection between the two of them. And the more the film lent into this weird incestuous connection and therefore like possession, I was like, ooh, this is the kind of a weird and incestuous, like being punished for incest yeah. movie I thought it was going to be. Rather than that though, when it sort of pivots um, and, it, and it, it then is just sort of flagrantly elite um uh, and put positions of the puerto rican community as like you know practitioners of these weird old world magics and they're affecting this new sophisticated world i was like this is a bit yuck however um it's an imp i think it's probably important in the context i think kim someone like a kim newman would be someone like this who you know you see these movies and you see where they've gone it's a good marker i think sometimes these movies that maybe have um uh, difficult uh whether it's difficult portrayals of classism or, you know, racism or particularly here, like extreme violence and, you know, torture and just taking things to the limit, probably about 40 years earlier that it was okay with things like Saw movies mm. and disgusting torture just became like par for the course. Um, I think it's interesting to see, um, it's interesting to see when something really butts up against what, uh, what the limit is um, and also to actually say, well, like the uncomfortable reality is that this movie was capturing a zeitgeist panic mm. about this new ethnic mixture of uh, of New York City in the 1970s. Yeah, I, I think it's the ickiness and the murkiness of it all that is kind of 
what makes it feel sticky to me as well. Like why yes. I think it has stuck around a while and why I find it kind of interesting and fascinating. It's what drew me in was just the curiosity and the interest I felt while watching it. Like, you know, mm. it, it's not a romp. It's not as exciting as something like body parts in this batch, but it is something that is quite alluring because it is so... It is, it's yuck, like you said. It is yuck <laughs> to every degree. And I find that, I found it really fascinating. I couldn't really take my eyes off this movie. This has been a momentous batch. We have covered um, a bunch of films from it. Let's Get Jessica to Death, Body Parts, The Gift, Stir of Echoes, and now just The Possession of Joel Delaney. Um there are others that we haven't been able to get to in this batch. Tamlin starring Ava Gardner and the Medusa Touch starring Richard Burton. We will, um, uh, we will be getting to those and uh, and perhaps talking about them at another time. But we're going to. Those were our highlights of mm -hmm. this batch that we wanted to get to you guys straight and uh, straight out. So definitely do whatever you can. Um, I, I think now um, the two big ones based on our chat sound uh, like. Uh, it's it's splitting hairs between body parts and the gift, but most certainly, uh, let's scare Jessica to death is the number one in that batch. So this has been awesome, Lex. We have a massive uh, December coming up, um, yes, all including across the board. a very very special edition of the Parallax View. I would say the definitive high definition version of that film, featuring a commentary track by none other than podcast producer and. Pakula enthusiast, Mr. Blake <laughs> Howard. Oh, wow. That is scary uh, to think of, and it's also quite humbling and awesome. Thank you. Um, in the next batch, too, already a couple of bangers shaping up. A Lady in the Cage uh, starring Olivia de Havilland mm -hmm. and one Jimmy Khan, baby, in one of his very first yes, movie performances. one of my heroes. <laughs> One of our collective heroes um, is in that batch too. Um, Naked Jungle 2, uh, Kitten with a Whip. Uh, so many more that we're going to be talking. It's a massive stacked eight film batch. Perfect stocking stuffing material. Um, we'll be covering all of that and giving you the hot tips in the next two Imprint Companions. And then if you jump over to our companion of the Imprint Companion, which is our Serious Disc Agreement, you'll hear... All of our complete wrap this year of everything that we've covered as far as physical media and those things that you must get and also some last minute Christmas shopping tips. So do yourselves a favor and listen to that. If you haven't subscribed, find us at One Eight Minute Productions, Serious Disc Agreement or an Imprint Companion. Um, find Alexi and I on Instagram and Twitter at This Is Alexi or One Blake Minute for myself. And we will talk to you soon, you crazy physical media lunatics we certainly will keep spinning those discs baby let's spin jessica to death <laughs> hi this is blake howard host and producer of one heat minute productions podcast we dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works often one minute or one scene at a time our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts.